Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The number one place you want to have peace in your heart. The number two place is in your home. Husband, wife, student, teenager, in your home, are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? You have to be a peacemaker. Now, how's that going to happen? Here's what you want to write. The only way to be a peacemaker is to allow God to rule in our lives. The idea of total peace in a war-torn world can seem like a distant dream at times. Broken families, collapsing countries, and social divisions can make the desire for peace seem childish at best. When it comes to both internal and external peace, each of us faces our own unique obstacles. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us about the peace we have in Christ. We learn that there's no greater source of peace than to be made right with God and to know we'll see Him face-to-face when we leave this momentary life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9, with his continuing study entitled, Get Ready to Be Blessed. Well, where is there conflict this morning? Well, conflict's everywhere. It's because we're people. There's conflict in our church, in our, in our marriages, in our, at work, in our friendships. Well, how can I bring peace? Well, because the Prince of Peace lives in me. Notice, do your part as much as possible. I get emails quite often, and a person will say this, I, I did this to a person, and I went and apologized, was really repentant, asked their forgiveness, and they refused to forgive me. And we're not at peace. Pastor Mark, what should I do? Well, you don't do anything. You've done everything you can do. See, you, you can't force somebody to be at peace with you. You just, as much as possible within you, you make the peace. By the way, when you walk away from that situation then... You pray for the person, and you don't pray like John did in the Bible. You remember the sons of Zebedee? Jesus went into a town. The people kind of rejected him. Jesus said, I'm going to leave. And John says, well, you're not going to treat Jesus like that. He said, Jesus, let's pray to bring fire down from heaven and burn this city up. That was one of the disciples. Jesus said, yeah, I'm a peacemaker. Let's burn them up right now. No, John would have to change his attitude a little bit. So when you can't make peace with somebody, you do all you can do, but then you just have to leave it to God. Don't pray for his judgment to come down on them. This morning, do you like conflict or peace? Are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? When you walk into a situation, you go, man, I'm going to do this peaceful. Wait till I get there. I'm going to stir this. What? 
No, a peacemaker is a person that has God, the Prince of Peace, ruling in their heart. You know, when they come across a conflict, they're calm, they're respectful, they're fair, they're balanced, they're truthful, they're, they're lessening tensions. Instead of stirring it up. Oh, I got to stir it up now. I can leave. Thank you very much. What? No. A peacemaker is positive, not critical. The number one place you want to have peace is in your heart. The number two place is in your home. Husband, wife, student, teenager, in your home, are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? You have to be a peacemaker. Now, how's that going to happen? Here's what you want to write. The only way to be a peacemaker is to allow God to rule in our lives. And how does that peace come? How does God use us other than the gospel? We get in a conflict area. How does God allow us to be peacemakers? Well, number one, I'm looking to be a peacemaker. And it's not because somebody says, well, call Jim over there. He's taking a 12-week course in conflict resolution. He's got a master's degree in it. Nothing wrong with that. But no, what I want is God's wisdom, God's spirit, and God's peace. In fact, James tells us, look what he says. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving. It's considered, it's submissive, it's full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. So that peace, I'll know, it comes from God. Sometimes it's even a word of wisdom, one of the spiritual gifts. For those of us this morning, if we're willingly come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we can settle a conflict any conflict in a godly, peaceful way. Now here's, you say, well, man, this sounds strange. Let me give you a caution. It is never peace at any price because we cannot compromise truth. We cannot compromise truth. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. But a few times in his life, he had to confront and he actually brought conflict. You remember when he came to the temple and he found uh, they had taken advantage and they were cheating the average person? What did he do to the tables in the temple? What did the ultimate peacemaker do? <laughs> Turn up whip. He's still the peacemaker. See, you can't compromise truth. You can't do it. When he came to the Pharisees, he said to them, you know, outside you look really good, but inside you're rotten to the core. Now, that's conflict. That didn't start peace. But see, he had to tell the truth. You know, there was a young man who died, and he went up to heaven, and St. Peter was there. And Peter said, well, man, you're on the list. You, you've asked Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Come on in. He's walking through, and, and St. Peter says, by the way, can, can you tell me a time when you did something good? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I, I was in this parking lot of this huge restaurant, and, and uh, there was cars everywhere, and there's, all, there's like a bike convention or something all these hell's angels were there and whatever and i hear this this screaming voice and there was a young girl and she was being just hassled by these guys and you know he was a pretty small guy so just, i just walked over to him and i got him around and all those guys in their leather jackets got around me i just said to him you're gonna have to answer me you can't take advantage of this little teenage girl like that you just can't do that it's not fair 
And he said, one of the guys stepped out of the crowd, he had his big leather jacket on, and he says, man, I could tell he was like the head of this. He was huge. And I'm looking at him going, okay. He says, I, I just had this supernatural power, and I just said to him, you can't tell, you have to come through me to get a, a, cause any trouble with this young girl. In fact, Peter, I, I pulled his nose ring right out of his nose. St. Peter said, wow, you did do some good things, didn't you? That's incredible. Great courage. You stood for truth. St. Peter said to him, by the way, when did that happen to you? He said about two minutes ago. (laughs) You remember? So sometimes we're going to have to what? Just stand for truth. A peacemaker doesn't give in when we have to stand for the truth of the word of God. Now what's the blessing for a peacemaker? Look at it. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Would you like to be called this morning the son of God or the son of Satan? See what it means in the Hebrew. It's an idiom. It means sons of God means you look like your dad. Well, I'd rather look like God. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. So it means if if I'm a peacemaker, people see me even at work and they may not say it to me, but behind their back, they're going to say something like this. That guy's unbelievable. That woman's incredible. This was a situation that couldn't have been resolved. They must know God or something. How in the world did peace come out of that? Yes. That's it. We're sons and daughters of God. If you have a new grandbaby, and I do, you know, when you look at that first picture, you go, well, I got the eyes of dad, the ears of mom, and the nose of whatever. What this says, if I'm a peacemaker... I look like God. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. How do you look this morning? Son of God? Son of the devil. Let's finalize it. Here it is quickly. Godly attitude. Peacemaker. I'm a peacemaker. Are you a peacemaker this morning? I love truth. I'm for unity. Next. What's the opposite? Oh, we've been there. We see it all the time at work. Troublemaker, People like this. Just conflict. They love it. And why do they love it? Because they're going to get their way. Compromise? Not a chance. What's God's reward? I'm a son of God versus a son of Satan. We come to the last beatitude, and it's a very different beatitude. We move from being a peacemaker to being persecuted. Now, why would that be? Remember, the Beatitudes are about being happy, blessed, joyous, because we're going to be different than the world. If I'm different than the world, if my values are different than the world, then there's going to be conflict because of it. If there's conflict because of it, there's going to be persecution. So think about that. Jesus said, we'll catch it next week. When light of the world came in, darkness hated light. So sometimes I don't say anything, but just being a Christian people, well, they want to persecute me. They don't like what I stand for. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, being right with God. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In my terms, here's what it said. Blessed are those who are persecuted and suffer opposition. Why? Because they're doing what's right. Blessed? Happy? you got to be kidding me. Well, that's exactly what happens. You see, if I'm a peacemaker, and in, my, in the room is somebody who wants their way, they're angry at me. 
if I'm a person that stands for morality and somebody that I'm with doesn't stand for morality, they hate me. If I'm a person, as we talked about last week, that loves mercy, but this person doesn't want mercy, they always want justice. Of course, when it comes to them, they want mercy. Then they're going to be mad at me. What should I expect in my life? Well, Jesus told us exactly what to expect. 2 Timothy 3.12 Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many is everyone? Huh? Huh? So what does that mean to me? Write it down. Every Christian should expect opposition and persecution. It's going to happen. It is going to, if I'm being like Christ, I can expect people not to like me, to gossip about me, to try to take advantage of me as a Christian. It's just going to happen. But here's the danger. Notice verse 10 does not say this. Blessed, happy are those who seek to be persecuted. No, we never seek to be persecuted. We never act like jerks or religious nuts and then rejoice when we are persecuted. That never brings honor to God. We see people, let me give you an example. You go into work and you're at a job and the, the rules come out, you know, at your, at your desk, at your workstation, whatever, you have to work. And you can't be sharing, you can't sell and make up to people and Girl Scout cookies on the desk and whatever. And you can't be sharing your religious faith and whatever at work and whatever. You can do that on your break time. You can do it at lunch, but you can't do it at your workstation. Here comes a Christian. He's all zealous. He goes into the workplace. He sits down. Nobody's going to tell me if I get persecuted for serving God, then I don't care. I'm going to sit. And he says to his coworker, hey, what do you think this verse means? And he talks to him and pursuing the boss comes by and says, Hey, John, didn't I tell you, you can't do that at your desk. You've got to get your job done. And then you can do it at, at work or in your break or whatever you can do. Nobody's going to tell me. I, I knew. They told me Sunday I was going to be persecuted for being a Christian. The boss says, well, you do it again, you're going to be fired. Well, then why don't you just go ahead and fire me right now? Okay, you're fired. Praise God, I've been persecuted for God. This is wonderful. Blessed are me. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> do you get me? We laugh, but we got a bunch of those nuts out there. And what does the rest of the world think? Exactly right. No, you witness when you can witness. You do a good day's work for crying out loud. So we don't get excited because we're idiots and going to be persecuted because we're just stupid. No. Look at verse 10 in the New Living Translation. God blesses those who are persecuted. Why? Because they live for God. They're not weird. They don't draw attention to themselves. They're loyal and obedience to God and his word. So what is valid persecution? It's not something I seek. Valid persecution is for doing what is right. Just doing what is right. Just being a godly Christian will cause people to be upset. You know, in this country, we don't understand persecution, really. I was reading the World Mission Digest says that there's been 100 million martyrs in the 20th century. Killed 100 million martyrs. Why? More people have been killed for their faith in Jesus in the 20th century than all the other centuries combined. Really, the hardest thing we do here, you know, if the line's too long at work or at Starbucks or whatever, we're persecuted. Amazing. 
Well, look at verse 11. Some people think this is another beatitude. I just believe it's an extension of the eighth. Look what it says. Blessed or happy are you when people insult you. Now it's very personal. You. When they persecute you. When they falsely say all kinds of evil against you. But the whole key to the verse, circle the last three words. Because of me. You see, what Jesus is saying is this. When you become like me, people hate it. What does that mean? Let me give you an idea. Look at John 15, 20. I have it for you. Jesus says, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Well, what kind of attacks will come to us? As you know this morning, not too many of us right now in America will suffer physical abuse or death for our faith. All around the world are doing that. But you and I are going to have to take a stand for God no matter what is right. We're going to have to take a stand, all of us. All of us have to overcome temptations and social pressures from the world. Here in the United States, Christianity is being attacked. We don't live in a Christian nation anymore. I hope you're not under that delusion. We don't live in a Christian nation. So what can I expect to be persecuted for? Jesus said you're going to be persecuted because of me. The name Jesus... Specifically, when you say he is the only way to God, is going to get us persecution big time. This is the next thing that's going to cause us to get persecution right here. Do you mean to tell me? You know what the world says today? The world is redefining marriage. Well, they can't redefine it. God's already defined it. One man and one woman. But the world says, no, we'll redefine it. You can't. You're not God. Well, Calvary Chapel, why why do you believe that? Because God's word has nothing to do with Calvary Chapel. So just get it in your mind. You are going to be persecuted for the truths in this book. You're going to be persecuted for them. If you say, I'm a lover of Jesus, you're going to be persecuted for that. Well, all all roads lead to God, don't they? No, they don't. Jesus said himself, there's only one. And let me show you the next one. And this might come very true here. The third thing we're going to be persecuted for is right there. It's the cross. Why is the cross such a persecution? Because the cross says man is guilty and needed a savior. It's the thing. To the world, it's foolishness. You can't be ashamed of the cross. You can't be ashamed of the Bible. And you cannot be ashamed of Jesus. Because blessed or happy are you When the whole government, the whole world, the whole media says creationism, you got to be kidding me. Religious holidays, do we have any religious holidays anymore? Everybody takes everything off the religious holidays. Today, well, what is my attitude at work if I'm going to be persecuted or at school? Well, I'm going to get angry and bitter and resentful and get even. No. Look at verse 12. Rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What does that mean? It means that when I stand firm for salvation, for Jesus, for the Bible, for the cross, for all the truths are in there. If I'm persecuted, made fun of, lose my job, not because I'm a weirdo, but just lose my job, whatever. If I stand for those things. 
If someday in this pulpit, and listen very closely, I take a stand that the Bible takes, and they haul me off, which could very well happen to jail, many of you will join me. Because at some point, we are going to have to take a stand for Jesus Christ. We will not allow them to say in this country, you cannot preach the truths of God's word. Today, all across the world, many pastors are in jail for doing just that. You say, we'll never come to this country. You watch it. It's coming. Because the world hates us. They hated Jesus enough to crucify him. And who did it? The church. But why should I be happy this morning? Well, because I like, I get three squares a day in jail. No. And I'm not trying to make light. Why should I be happy? Jesus said, because great is your reward where? Would you rather have your reward here in heaven? I'll take it in heaven. Well, what is my reward? Last things to write down. Here we go. If I'm persecuted, it shows two things. I'm becoming like Jesus. They don't persecute me because I'm Mark Balmer. They persecute me because I stand for Jesus Christ. I'm not obnoxious. I don't push my beliefs down somebody's throat. Never. I just stand. I'm light. As we'll learn next week, I'm salt. And number two, I can be happy being persecuted because it shows I have a final destination. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. That proves it. Because I'm real. I can rejoice and I can be glad. Here's the last three to write down if you want. We'll do it quickly. What's my attitude to be then? I need to be a faithful person. Committed. Die to self. Take a stand for God. Doesn't matter. Just be joyful. Even if, even if I'm going to be opposed, people could laugh at me, I could lose a job, whatever, put in jail, beaten, whatever. It's okay. Because I'm doing it for the sake of Christ. What's the world against? Well, the world says, I'm not, I'm not going to put my life on the line. I'm going to save my life. I'm going to compromise. I'm going to pamper and serve myself. Jesus said if we save our life, we lose it. And number three, what's my reward if I do it right? Well, heaven. That's what it's all about, guys. It's simply heaven. Notice what we studied this morning. If we don't have a pure heart, we won't see God. If we aren't sons of God, we're sons of Satan. If we aren't committed followers, then we will not be in heaven. I want three minutes and we're done. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Don't put anything away. No noise. In this room, some of you don't have peace with God. You don't have the peace of God. If you would die as you walk out to that street today, you know you're not going to heaven. It's because you never asked God to come into your heart. You may be religious, you may have been in a church all your life, baptized as a kid or whatever, baptized as a kid, does nothing. Because you didn't ask God to forgive you of your sins. See, Jesus died on that cross for you. Once we've been given a new heart in Christ, we're called to share that transformation with others through both word and action. One of the key signs of this transformation comes from an overall attitude of peace. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of being peacemakers in and outside of the home. We learned that because we've made peace with God, we're to share that peace with others on a daily basis. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 3341, and the title of this message is Get Ready to be Blessed. Again, today's message number is 3341, and the title of this message is Get Ready to be Blessed. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time on Lessons for Living as Pastor Mark teaches us what it means to be the salt and light of the world. In our study, Pastor Mark will continue us in the Sermon on the Mount while teaching us how the Christian life is remarkably different from that of the world. We'll learn that each of us as followers of Christ are called to live as a testimony and witness to God's greatness. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Yeah.